0: Hey, our audience—the seven people who listen to us on Spotify—I mean on um, on SoundCloud. On SoundCloud. Thank you, and then the two randos who followed us, and I think one of them is a bot because it, sent, a bot. A, yeah. it sent it sent a message that was like "liked your tune." Yeah, liked your tune, and we're like, uh, we did not actually make, make a, a tune. Song. We thanks. we didn't make a song at all. We we recorded a podcast, and but thanks, thanks, bot. Listen. We can have a whole audience of just robots listening to I us. I there's fucking like a couple of hundred thousand <laughs> of them. I don't care. I'll I'm take a hundred thousand robots listening to me all day. I'm good. And then they'll come strictly after you and I when they decide to take over the world. True that. Like Or maybe they won't and they'll they'll, they'll honor us and want, not want to murder us. Maybe. I think that that might work too. Or they'll make us like um,
1: like in Blade where, where they're like familiars. Oh,
0: yeah, where they're blood bag boys yeah. or whatever it is. They're blood boys. Oh, yeah, what's up? All right, so if you want to hit him with the with the intro, you can hit him with the intro. Go
1: for it. All right, well, sup, up, everybody? Uh, thank you for tuning in again, uh, especially to those nine people who tuned in last time. We did get a lot of feedback from you guys. Uh, most of you were friends and family, obviously. Well, actually, all of you were friends and family, except for the two randos. The two randos. Thank you, guys. Uh, even though one of you was a bot, mm-hmm. and as Half was just saying a little while ago, if we get three million listeners and they're all bots then by all means i'll take the three million bot listeners oh yeah
0: yeah man that's still listen There's still an audience
1: absolutely uh we're back with a couple of changes we took the feedback that we got from everybody and we incorporated some stuff into it first big changes we finally
0: got a name we finally have a name so you want (sighs) to drop the name on time the name of the podcast is now back of the bus now before anybody gets all you know high and mighty this isn't some kind of racially uh, you know motivated name. name. This is a name because this is where Black and I met. Yep. This is where we spent the better part of our high school years was on the back of the bus and the conversations that we had on the back of the bus are similar to the conversations we have today just more adult versions you know we our lives have gone on so we wanted to pay homage to the way we met we wanted to pay homage to the kind of show we wanted to do it was always a spectrum of things that we talked about on the back of the bus whether it be the rumor that was going around school or whether it be sports or music or whatever you know we kind of wanted to pay homage to what we did back there and that's what we want this podcast to be we just want it to be both of us giving our opinions about a whole litany of things, whether they be smart, whether they be dumb, whether they be entertaining. And if you find it to be any of those things, then by all means, thank you for listening and sticking through with this. And if you hate us, look, I will take the haters too. because Absolutely. Just keep listening. Keep yeah, listening. exactly. Keep Just That's keep awesome. hating. Listen, you can write the worst stuff you want in the comment section. I don't care. I'm not going to be offended. Okay? doesn't bother me at all. Man. Not at all. So what we're going to do is we've broken the show down. We've got some segments. We're going to talk you through them this time. Hopefully you'll like the way we've set this up. And if not, again, more feedback. We are not sponsored. Again, we are pushing ourselves for sponsors. So if you want to be a sponsor, I am telling you right now, this is the only podcast ever that you, an individual, can sponsor us for like $20. F- you give us $20. I will, sh- I will shout you out. And we will shout you out. Not only will we shout you
1: out. Your Instagram page, your Twitter yeah. handle, everything, anything you want.
0: But we will also say whatever it is you want us to say. Not so it's kind of, of like that scene from Anchorman where Ron Burgundy says anything that's on the teleprompter and then he tells. San Diego to go fuck itself Kind of the same way He'll do that, I won't do that Okay, then I'm not going to do that all right. <laughs> So, we're going to go through Like I said, all new setup, all new name Back of the bus with black and half. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud right now It's The, the website is called uh, Back of the bus Or you can email us You can hit us up on our email Backofthebusmiami at gmail.com We've got an Instagram account right now it's, We're just going to link it because, like, there are so many underscores in it. It's the underscore back underscore of underscore the underscore bus on Instagram. And, right.
1: and the reason for that is you'd be surprised how many people already had the name back of the bus on Instagram. I'm lucky that I had a friend of mine. She gave me a suggestion to start looking for that name when I did. Because I'm pretty sure if I had waited another week. I would have to had two underscores for every underscore. And, you know, it would have just taken forever. If I can find another way to do it, then by all means, I'll, I'll try that and we'll change it and make it easier.
0: Of course. Way. Of course. So the way the show is going to be broken down, like I said, we're going to hit on some current topics. So, yeah, the first part of the show will be a little bit more current. And then the second part of the show is... Black and I are really going to try to get into two different subjects. We call it AP class, which is kind of a smart subject. Well, smart as him and I can be, where we're going to go into depth. We're going to give our opinions. We're going to get some insight from people and the internet. And we're going to try to bring something new, maybe a new perspective, maybe a new opinion, maybe a new idea into our listeners' lives. The second part is just going to be the free period. We're going to pick a thing that really entertains us and we're going to go from there. You know, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to kind of chew it out and, you know, we're going to get some things going. Um, This week, if you must know, our smart topic, our AP class is going to be about education and technology with children in schools. We are both dads, so we both have opinions on the matter. And then our free period is going to be about the 20-year anniversary of the Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind and how that affected and reverberated through all of wrestling. Uh, But first comes our first segment. Segment. See, I can eat at it. Awesome. So we'll nice. fix that later. Yeah, so yeah, it's our first segment.
1: Uh, basically, it's gonna kind of be sort of lightning roundish. We won't go super fast through everything, uh, but we just hit on a couple, you know, a few points that we've, you know, jotted down of current events and things like that have happened throughout the week. Um, kind of just haphazardly. This is not a, a deep dive. This is really just a couple sentences or whatever on on these topics, just so you guys uh, know what we're looking at and what we're talking about. So maybe you can anticipate what some of the topics will be down the road. If, you get some, if we get some feedback from you guys on any of these topics that you'd like us to deep dive down on later, then you can just hit us on the email or on the Instagrams or whatever. Yeah, and we'll definitely take some notes on that, and, and we'll go through there. I
0: mean, let's be honest. If they really do have some feedback, they can probably text us because they all know our yeah, phone because numbers. You all, yeah, every single <laughs> one of you. There's going to be one listener who's like, I don't know their phone number. I feel out of the loop.
1: Should we do like did and give out our phone number at the press conference? Hell no. Okay. i just making sure. No. All
0: right. Cool.
1: So yeah, this first segment, we've come to affectionately called, ah, the atmosphere. And here we go. So what's first on the list, buddy?
0: First on the list is Phil's been fired.
1: Yeah, so I got some feedback from, again, some of the friends and family that last time when we hit on the draft, we didn't go deep dive into it. Uh, so here's where I got on the Knicks and Phil Jackson. As you guys know from last time, I am a Knicks fan. Uh, I am ambivalent about the Phil firing, and here's why. They waited until after the draft and after they picked up his option to fire him. So we were going to get rid of him, why wait until he decided the course of the future of the team by allowing him to make the draft pick? A lot of people said we should have drafted the kid that went right after us, which was Dennis Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Instead, I of heard Phil, that a lot on draft day. Instead of Frank Nitty I can't say his real name, but Frank Nitti is who we got. Um, he's already banged up. They're saying it's not a big deal. That's really neither here nor there. Uh, but I mean, if the direction was to get rid of Phil, then why spend that money and why
0: let him pick the draft pick? I've never gotten that. So they they're not the Knicks are guaranteed not the first team to ever do something like this. NFL teams have done this too where they've let the GM just kind of pick a draft pick and then they'll fire people. I don't get it. So what so what your owner James Dolan is saying is that I am going to for once in my life Bend to the will of the audience because after the, the draft pick, people were all up in arms, and then that's when they decided to fire. I don't understand I don't much. know that it came as a
1: result of the draft pick. I think there was a lot of rumors and innuendo going around based on him talking about trading Porzingis, which was a huge no-no. I mean, he is – everyone's referred to him as a unicorn. You know, you don't trade away a unicorn for a couple of wildebeests or even stallions. Like, you, you keep the unicorn and you build around him. Then there's the Carmelo Anthony fiasco. Is he going to take a buyout? Where are we going to trade him to? They're still talking about trading Carmelo. You know, I think uh, if he does waive his trade clause, he's, everybody's got him linked either to Houston or Cleveland. Wow. Problem is that there's nothing that either one of those two teams have that they're going to be willing to give up that's worth Carmelo Anthony. They don't have picks, and they don't have players. I don't want Kevin Loves broken down, doesn't hustle. Only thing he can do is throw outlet passes and rebound ass. And Trevor Ariza was a great player, a pretty good player, you know, five years ago. Right now, he's not worth Carmelo Anthony, even as Carmelo Anthony continues to diminish. So, unless they get another team involved, I don't know.
0: That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, do you feel that Carmelo's still worth that?
1: Is he – I mean, he's not going to be worth two first-round picks. He's not going to be – but, I mean, look what Paul George just went for. Paul George just went for basically peanuts. Victor Oladipo. Like, I know nine guys – playground by my house that are better than Victor Oladipo. So I, I don't know necessarily that you're thinking about getting full value. You're not going to get full value for Carmelo Anthony. You were never going to get full value for Carmelo Anthony. Certainly you weren't going to get it after Phil trashed him and said all the shit that he said in, in the media.
0: I think that's the bigger point there is that There was such a bad relationship and it really did break down in the end that regardless of if, if Phil is there or not, that you've really broken that kind of bond and trust between the two because remember when carmelo came over it was yeah i'm coming home going to the knicks i miss yeah but he i mean we're not
1: gonna get into that all shit right now he fucked that up from the beginning by forcing a trade instead of waiting to sign he wanted his money it, it meant more money to him to get traded there and then be able to sign the extension as opposed to just wait to sign a free agent contract i get that but he decimated the team in doing so. It led to all of the shit that we're at now. And then, to make matters worse, there's no Phil Jackson. Steve Mills, who has never shown me anything that he's a worthy replacement, just let Justin Holiday get re-signed by the Bulls after we had traded for Justin Holiday <laughs> as part of the Derrick Rose trade. And he's a young player. He's got the length and the, and the size to be a good perimeter defender. He shot 40-plus percent from three last season. And he's got some ups. He's not great in transition, not a great ball handler. But as, a, as the recipient on an alley-oop or whatever, he actually showed that he, he could get up there. And we just let him go for nothing. When we could have signed him, it would have went, took us over the cap and it wouldn't actually have cost us anything because we had his, his rights. So that's a bonehead move. That's the typical player that we're supposed to be looking for in any Carmelo Anthony trade. And we had one in-house and let him go. So I, I don't know what they're doing. It's the Knicks. What do I tell you? Nice. That's what I got for that. Hope that was enough for you, Joe. Goddamn. <clears throat> anything else? Anything you want to add on NBA free agency? Kyle Lowry got three years, $100 million. Seems I saw like, that. Seems like a lot of money.
0: It does seem like a lot of money. I feel like these guys are just all getting all their money. Like, they all want to get paid. I mean, you saw LeBron come out and talk about um, Steph's money and how he didn't get enough money. Look, man, that's easy to say that they don't get enough money, right? Because LeBron is the guy who never got paid what he was worth, ever regardless when he, was with the, when he was with the Heat, when he was with Cleveland the first time, he never gets paid what he's actually worth because the guy is... Well, I don't, I don't think in any capped sport, you can you're ever going to see no. that. And, and I think that's, that's the whole thing. But then it comes to this. How greedy can you get, right? Like, how much is too much? One of those $11 million I got to feed my family things. Right. Well,
1: the other thing is that do you want to win or do you want your money? Because to be able to feel a competitive team in a capped sport... You, you need to be able to let your organization pay other players. KD just signed, it came out a little while ago, right before we started recording, a two-year, $53 million deal. Supposedly left $9 million on the table, but you're getting paid $26.5 million a year. Um, you know, it, it gave him the flexibility to sign Andre Iguodala, which I think is a great move by them and by Andre. He stays on a, on a franchise that's probably going to win the next three or four championships, because there's no other team right now that looks like they're going to be a threat, unless OKC's got another move up there, up their sleeve, and even then, I, I don't know what they can do. Um, Gordon Hayward going to Boston's not going to be enough to dethrone them. Gordon Hayward going to Miami's
0: not going to be enough to dethrone no. them. And I'm a Miami fan. I don't think it's. I don't think it's enough. So I do think it's enough to keep us competitive in the East, though. Oh, yeah. So one of those years, it's it's like one of those things. One of those years, instead of. It being the Cavs going to the finals. It might be Boston. Yeah, or it you, might, might, be you might be able to
1: dethrone yeah. the Cavs. The Cavs exactly. East, But you're not beating the Warriors no, unless... Not, not at all. Unless something else really major happens. Hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that's basically free agency right now. That's the main moves. Paul Millsap went to Denver. That's not going to change the landscape of anything. Nah. That's a money grab. They're going to be a decently competitive team. The Timberwolves will be interesting
0: with the Jimmy Butler and the Jeff T deals. Yeah. Uh, the 76ers might be interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, they might be c- competitive for the first time in, I don't know, since AI. Left. Since AI. I was
0: about to say that. Since AI. Which is, God, that's shameful. But think of it this way. That so, is a cornerstone
1: NBA mm-hmm, franchise.
0: They the, the the kind of social media blitz that those guys had, draft day, was about, oh, listen, all these young players are now here and we're up-and-comers. And like, it might work. like You're looking at it you're like, okay, these guys are really good players. They're young. If they can get their, their shit together, basically, and they can get be, be put behind a coach who's going to reel them in and going to do what needs to get done, you might actually have a good team in a couple years. I'm not saying that they're going to come right. out tomorrow and fucking take the East and sweep the East. But I'm just saying, like, you might. Um, I'll tell
1: you a team I low-key kind of root for just because I really like this one player is the Bucks. Yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo, first of all. The great, Greek freak? I mean, fantastic name, fantastic nickname. And he's a prototypical next-generation NBA player. He can mm-hmm. guard all five positions he hit two game winners at the Garden, I think it was, this season. Or yeah. one at the Garden and one in Milwaukee. Um, he, That guy's a terrific player. Uh, he needs to work on the jumper. But besides that, I mean, that, that, that guy's awesome. And if Jabari Parker can finish an entire <laughs> NBA season for once in his life and you can put some additional pieces around there, they might be interesting also. They're probably a couple years away. But he's going to get big-time money when his contract comes up. I mean, he's going to get paid. Yeah, that's all I got on the NBA. All right, awesome. NBA's done. What else you got? Inhumans. That trailer was the shit. I think, as you rightly predicted last week, that's going to be the Marvel flop of all flops. It oh, was a full trailer. Uh, there's nothing about it that says big budget Marvel Disney production. This kind of looks like Mutter just decided he was going to make the show anyway. Against all contrary opinions. Absolutely correct. Do you want to kind of give them a little very basic rundown on the Inhumans? Or you want to say that? Yeah,
0: first? sure. So the Inhumans for a long time were kind of this throwaway group. They weren't really pushed in the Marvel Universe until recently. And until, honestly, until they, you had this whole X-Men um, and Cinematic Universe franchise. Because the Marvel Cinematic Universe needed somebody... To kind of fill the void of the, the X-Men, Ex- of, Mans, of right. the mutants, because they weren't allowed to use the mutants. So you saw a lot of comic books pushing Inhumans, Inhumans, Inhumans. And then you saw kind of the death of mutants, basically.
1: Because of the Inhumans. So if you guys don't know, the, the mist, there's like a mist.
0: the pterogenesis terrig- mist or terigen mist. Terigen that gives mist.
1: the Inhumans their powers. And they wrote it recently to the comics that that mist is <clears throat> fatal to hu- to mutants. Yes. So they basically, like you said, wanted to put the Inhumans in the place of the mutants. All the way where it culminated to Avengers vs. Inhumans recently, right? Yes,
0: which I did not read.
1: Yeah, I didn't read it either, but the, the central point of it is that they, they really overpowered the Inhumans so that they can fill that void and maybe to support this, this property. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they didn't support the property with budget for CGI, costume design... Or yeah. anything else that matters. Lockjaw, the teleporting dog, looks absurd.
0: Yeah, everyone was going on and on and on about how Lockjaw looked amazing, how he was really cool. And I see this 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 trailer, and I'm just I'm really taken back by it. I'm not really impressed. I, it kind of looks uh, cheap. Yeah, um, and dude, look, I get it, it man. I get it. It doesn't have a movie budget. It was, the, in- the Inhumans were listed to be a movie franchise. They weren't listed to be a on-TV franchise. And you're doing what you can to put them in there. But look, I think this is what happens when studios, and in specific like Marvel and DC and everybody, plan out 15 movies in advance. Where they say, yeah, we're going to do this, 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 this. Because then you get this hype-driven kind of audience that wants the Inhumans that regardless had they dropped Inhumans off of their list of movies they would have the audience would have started to lose their shit about it they would have said oh no we need to see the Inhumans we need to see the Inhumans and then Marvel would have had felt this pressure to make an Inhumans which they did and then they just made the Inhumans TV show which looks garbage I think here's the thing with Marvel and in general with these comic book things you need to either go all the way or you need to scale it back and keep it super simplistic. I think going in that middle and shooting for that middle does a disservice for the property. Does a disservice for your audience. Your audience isn't going to care. And what you're going to have is you're going to have this backlash of people saying, "Oh, this this was low budget. It was thrown together. It's like like Black said. It's just there so that they could throw something out there. Um, it's not really good for the brand. However, Marvel's this huge monopoly. Yeah, they'll and it survive just, it. Yeah, so and it's they'll not, survive.
1: It's not going to kill Marvel. It's just a shame because. The characters are actually not bad. I mean, Black no, really has cool. a great power. We're going to talk a yep. little bit more about his larger role in in the Marvel Universe yep. when we get to Black
0: Panther later. Uh, yeah, And then you have Maximus, who is by far one of the better villains. Like, he is legit out of his mind. You have Karnak, who, is, who I thought was always a very underrated character. I
1: never knew what his power
0: was. To find the weakness in anything. You oh, can awesome. find the, yeah, like it's really cool. So and look, I don't think the casting's terrible either. I, I I saw Black Bolt. I mean, he looked cool. He looked neat. Maximus looks great. I do think, however, you're kind of pandering a bit by getting Ramsey Bolton to play Maximus. Like this, but guy, his
1: voice is the best part oh, of that. No, trailer. yeah, his no narration is, in the trailer is like is. the only it thing is. that I'm like. I'll watch this shit just because Ramsey Bolton's the bad guy in it because okay. he was such a terrific bad guy that in Game of Thrones that it's like whatever mm-hmm. dude. Let, let's I'll give it a shot but I am not optimistic at all.
0: You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Peggy Carter. It. I'm going to watch the first I never watched Peggy th- Carter. I, I'm going to watch all. the first two episodes and then from there I'll go I'll, I'll go on. Well, I did that with, I did that with Legion and Legion ended up paying off so maybe well, maybe we'll get lucky. Speaking of women in comics, I saw Wonder Woman yesterday. Finally. Yes, we saw it yesterday. I had to think about that for a second. Um, my quick thoughts about this. It, I don't feel like you did about the CGI. I felt like it was all right. It was fine. My biggest problem was that there was a, um almost hypocrisy in the character. So at some points, you had this very strong woman who was very, I'm going to fight for humankind. I'm going to do this. And then at other points, when um, her love interest dies, she breaks down and starts, you know, she's, she has this emotional breakdown. And then she goes and kills everybody. You know what I mean? There is this... Hypocrisy in her character of yes, I want to save everybody, but I'm going to murder all of these Nazis. Now, think of it this way: she beat up all of these Nazis and hurt all of these Nazis while she thought about the while she she rightfully, I guess, assumed that they were all under the guise of Ares, the god of war, right? So she knew that they weren't acting on their own accord, but she still killed them.
1: Okay,
0: how hypocritical is that if she's here to save humanity?
1: Well, in any war. The soldiers aren't necessarily acting on their own accord. Well, they still- not what they
0: were. Because once Ares was <clears throat> dead at the end of the movie, you saw it. Then the Nazi guys were all hugging with the little crew that went with the chief and the Scottish dude and everything. So, here's the thing. If she really was about humanity, she wouldn't have killed those guys. You know what she would have done? She would have just beaten them up and laid them there.
1: Okay. And then you'd have an eleven to five hour movie where she has to knock every single person out and be careful to knock them out and not kill them. As opposed to just... You're a nice little tidy two hour. So boy. then
0: I guess she doesn't really care about humanity. Let's I, call it is let's call it what it is.
1: I guess. My here's my response to the, the kinda the the first half of that though, where you know, she she is the strong woman and then she gets emotional when her love interest dies. She's been she's been isolated on Thamascara her whole life. She hadn't had a love interest before. Love as and then she, she falls of, for the
0: first guy she meets,
1: right? And it's a, but it's a complex human emotion. She wasn't prepared to deal with it. I mean, we've seen love and especially new love bring the downfall of a lot of our favorite characters. I mean, it fucked up Rob Stark. It totally destroyed Rob Stark.
0: You had to bring that up, huh? Dude, it,
1: well, I was. What did I tell you? I'm, I'm rewatching, getting ready for for, for the season. season. And man, every time I get to that scene where he's like, "But I don't want to marry the Frey girl," I'm like, "Dude, you."
0: All right, Wonder Woman. Back to yeah, Sorry. So,
1: Wonder Woman. <laughs> but, that, but, I mean, it ties into the larger point. Love is a complex human emotion. She didn't quite know how to handle it. She experienced it kind of overwhelmingly in in the midst of death and battle and chaos. And then he dies in a very noble act or whatever. So, she she just was overcome by the emotion.
0: So, here's the other thing that I didn't understand. And maybe this is my um, <clears throat> ignorance to her character. So, in that scene where she jumps out of the out of the pit to go take on all these Nazis right she starts blocking all the bullets with her armbands right but no other bullets went any part of her body other than the armbands other than the armbands i know so is she bulletproof or not that's what i want to know i want to know if she's bulletproof or not because then she flies into the steeple to kill that guy but who's I don't know a sniper if she, i don't
1: know if she's bulletproof because earlier on when she got cut with a sword on her and, arm and then it, it healed yeah. but it but it, her skin wasn't
0: impervious to the wound so is she wolverine I don't know. They didn't do a very good job explaining that. Oh, there we, that, and that's the point. They didn't do... Look, 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 look. I, it's I, still the best DC movie we've gotten. Hands down. And that's something really sad to say. Yeah, no. It's, it's still good. the best DC movie that we've gotten. Yeah. It, it is the best DC movie that we've gotten. And I dare you... I say, look, if you put that one up against Marvel movies, it land, that one lands above Iron Man 2 and somewhere in between Ant-Man and Thor The Dark World. Okay. Like, that's where I think it lands.
1: Alright, that's fair enough.
0: Yeah, man. I really do. I really do. And that's coming from a guy who thinks that that Batman versus Superman isn't a terrible, terrible movie just because of the majority of yeah, the story. We, the extended cut. No, but the extended cut is so much better.
1: Disagree we're gonna have to do a whole show on how much I disagree with what you just okay. said. Okay. Alright. But
0: not now. Okay. So <clears throat> we got we got uh, we got we got inhumans, we got Wonder Woman Talk. All right. We, our later topic, our fun topic is about wrestling. But I caught a video before I came over here about D'Angelo Williams, football player, extraordinaire. Dude is jacked, by the way. Yeah. Jacked. Apparently, he wrestled this past weekend, I guess it was. Yeah, I think for he's wrestling for what used to be TNA, yeah, whatever impact. they're called now. Impact. And I will tell you, the 15 seconds or 30 seconds that I watched on ESPN, the dude was good. Yeah. Like, he had hops. Well,
1: he'd been practicing for a while.
0: Yeah, he had hops. He was jumping around. He was doing moonsaults. Yeah, he was doing moonsaults. He was doing swanton bombs. Like the dude was good, and he was nice. better than I thought a wrestler could be because you're used to these wrestlers who are are you're used to these football players coming in and doing you know kind of just
1: yeah like the Lawrence Taylor awful Bam Bam yeah. Bigelow match exactly
0: exactly. Uh, Carl Malone. Bam Bam's dead.
1: <laughs>
0: Bam Bam's still dead. <laughs> only only seven people are going to get that joke. Yeah, I don't
1: know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Carl Malone when he went to to the WCW with Diamond Dallas Page. And
0: when Dennis Rodman won the, the championship. Yeah. You know? So I just wanted to put that out there. It was really cool to see. Like, it was neat to watch. Like, it's just, just shameful that,
1: that a guy who two years ago basically won one of my buddy's fantasy leagues for him as Is a now, midseason pickup couldn't get a job. And not only that, but I don't know, you know, D'Angelo Williams has dealt with a lot of shit from the NFL because of the, the hair dye of the pink for his mom who yeah. died of the breast cancer and they'd find him even though he was just dying his hair that way or his cleats or whatever. It's a lot of bullshit that you know Roger Goodell has implemented over the years that just has made that league.
0: hmm It's a tough job. It's man. falling behind yeah. the NBA for sure. The NBA oh, It's the NBA skews younger and it is falling behind. And I think that if it continues its pace, it might even fall behind baseball at some point. Which by the way, we gotta touch on. So look, it's not on our list of things to touch, but we're here in Miami, and we've got the All-Star Game coming up, yep. and it was just announced today that this Home Run Derby is probably, outside of Sosa McGuire, right? And Griffey Frank Thomas. And Griffey Frank Thomas might be the best Home Run Derby we will ever get to watch. And I'm really mad that neither Black nor myself have, tickets have finagled run. tickets to go to the Home Run Derby. But I will tell you this. I love Marlins Park. I think it's a really cool park. I've been there a bunch of times. It's fun. That Budweiser bar is gonna be popping. The Clevelander is gonna be crazy. It is a great uh, $500 million stadium that the city of Miami paid for and our tax dollars paid for. But this is gonna be awesome to watch. Like, this is going to be, I watched last year a little bit because, you know, Mike Stanton was in it. I'm going to call him Mike Stanton because that's his name. If he wanted to call himself Mike Stanton in high school, then he's going to be called Mike Stanton now. Got it. But now you've got all these other players going into it, and I, I think it might be really fun. I think this is their version of if LeBron joined the, the dunk contest.
1: Yeah, no, I feel you. And, and the, here's the crazy thing. You have Stanton, you have Aaron Judge, the Yankee phenom, and don't sleep on Gary Sanchez. The other Yankee phenom last year, he set the record for the most home runs in, in a call-up year. He hit 20. He almost worked his way into the rookie of the year conversation in 53 games or something that he played. And he's, he's going to be in it also. And he doesn't hit for distance the way Judge does. But every bomb he hits is a line drive laser that gets out of the park in like .35 seconds. And he's got, you know, the I think the seventh or eighth um, exit velo in the StatCast era. It's Judge 1, Stanton 2, Stanton 2. Judge four, five, six, whatever, and then Gary Sanchez somewhere in that top ten.
0: So it's gonna be an interesting one. It's gonna be fun dropping bombs over in Miami. Yeah,
1: dude, it Mariners Park's not really conducive to home runs. It's not a home run hitter's park. Mm-mm. But those guys, it doesn't matter. They can hit. They can hit them out of anywhere. You so think they run cool. that
0: stupid machine every time they hit a home run? I hope not. No. I hope not. That
1: that is the single biggest travesty that parks ever produced. I don't know why it's still up after all the negative fan feedback that they. It is the for worst thing. I think that's David ever. Sanderson trolling. I assure you that the next owner, will take it down. First thing they do is destroy that thing,
0: and there will be a party. Like for they'll it. office space it and <laughs> just let people just go and take bats to it. Oh my god. God, that'd be the best it's oh, it's terrible that it's would awful. be amazing all right so we talked about that we talked about long dong bombs you know speaking of dongs it came out today sophie turner learned about blowjobs through game of thrones oh shit <laughs> that was my phone that was we're gonna perfect we're i kind of want to leave that in there okay all right yeah, yeah so note to self during podcasts please turn off your phone yeah Alright, so, anyway, Sophie Turner learned about blowjobs uh, during Game of Thrones. Reading the script of Game of Thrones. She didn't realize what a blowjob was. How old was she when this thing started? Like, 13. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want my daughter knowing about blowjobs when this started. Yeah, she was, she was young. Okay, alright, cool, I can get it now. But apparently she learned about it. So, good for her. think of this. That's think an this. education right there, buddy. That's what I was going to ask. What if your children had to learn about sex? Which TV show would you want them to learn about sex from? Certainly not Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's... Oi. You'd have your kids shooting arrows into hookers?
1: Yeah, not only that, but there's way too much rape in that show. Incest? Uh, inst- yeah. What TV show would I want my kids learning sex from? Wrestling. What? No, I'm just of. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. You kind of stumped me on that. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get back to that. You got any ideas? Right.
0: Um, yeah, I do. I do, I do. I think that... Um, that my kids should probably—I'm stalling really because I'm trying to think of a show. Yeah, man. I don't have a show, but um, damn. you know what? Married with Children. Perfect. I think that my kids should learn about Perfect. sex through every with every children.
1: sex conversation that children have should start with. So a fat woman walked into the shoe store today.
0: <laughs> exactly. That That's should it. be it. That's it. Married with Children will be will be the way we teach it. Done. Good. All right. So next on our list, you want to do the Black Panther rundown?
1: Yeah, sure. So last time when uh, we spent a little time talking about the Black Panther trailer, uh, and a couple of people that listen to the show really weren't as familiar with that character as as we are, or some other people are. So I got just some you know some notes here, just kind of give you a little bit of Black Panther history. One thing I learned in doing this research, he was the first Black comic book character. He yes. He, he predates Luke Cage. He predates mm-hmm. John Stewart, Green Lantern. Uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby came up with him in 1966. Uh, he is the king of Wakanda, a fictional African nation. Uh, he has superhuman strength, speed, agility, and senses. He also has been passed down all of the strength and knowledge of all the f- prior Black Panthers. It's like a position that mm-hmm. exists in Wakanda. It's like the protector. He is a genius level scientist. He is rated as the eighth smartest person in, in the, the Marvel Universe. In the Marvel universe. Nice. Uh, he has a PhD in physics. He's an inventor. Uh, he, like I said, the first black superhero in mainstream comics, he met Storm as a teenager and then later on ended up marrying Storm. Uh, they broke up, incidentally, during the, the events of Avengers vs. X-Men because mm-hmm. they were on opposite sides with their respective teams. And Storm found out that he had protocols for shutting her down and she'd obviously never told him, he'd obviously never told her about it. She didn't like it, so they broke up.
0: Yeah, I'm sure she wasn't too thrilled about his world destroying too. And in the comics,
1: unlike in the movie, he was on the anti-registration side during Civil he War. He
0: was. He was not about it.
1: Mainly, satayin, what we were talking about earlier, he was part of the Illuminati, which you, yes. you you will tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, the Illuminati is basically a kind of shadow government by the some of the Marvel superheroes. The original lineup was Black Panther, Namor, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Black Bolt. Uh, Doctor Strange and Professor X.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there were some events that happened prior, and Tony Stark had realized that had they all been able to share information, they, they would have, have been, been, able been able to, to stop avoid The Kree-Skull it.
0: War was the first one, and that's where they went off and they stopped the Kree. They, they stopped another invasion. Then after that, that's when they got together to um, send off the Hulk into space, causing the whole Planet Hulk um, storyline. Um, then after that, what did they do? They did something. They also they also had to mind wipe Captain America because he was part of the Illuminati and disagreed with sending Hulk into space. Wholeheartedly disagreed with sending Hulk into space. So then Stephen Strange had to wipe his memory. Um, after the death of Professor X in X Men versus Avengers, the Beast took over. Okay. And, and he was part of the Illuminati. Right now, I do not know who's on the Illuminati, nor do I care. I know for a time being, the Illuminati changed over to being all evil people when it was... Yeah, a- the, hood,
1: the hood took over and he was trying to get his hands on the Infinity Gauntlet. Yep. That thing is the biggest MacGuffin in comics, right? Oh, yeah. like Everybody wants it. Nobody who gets it actually does anything with it. I mean, Thanos killed half the universe... But then, mm-hmm. it, then he lost and it all got restored, so it didn't matter. Yeah,
0: and Doom did more with Molecule Man and creating Battle World than any of them ever did with the Infinity Stones, you know? Yeah, so that's basically Black Panther in a
1: nutshell. Obviously, uh, if you'd like to know more, Wikipedia.
0: Dude, a couple days. Spidey. Dude,
1: yeah, got tickets already. You did? Yeah, uh, we're going for Mo's birthday. Oh. Shout out to my boy Mo.
0: And his other podcast, because Mo's Nerdos. It. Nerdos. The Nerdos podcast. You can catch them on YouTube. Yep. Shout out to them black uh, was yeah. part of that show one so, time
1: so we're gonna go <laughs> thursday he got the tickets already and um you know we're gonna check
0: that out man i'm, I'm excited it's getting good reviews so far it's getting great reviews so far. yeah so far so good it's it's certified f- fresh yep it's a fun movie apparently i saw the first four minutes or what they're claiming is the first four minutes it's like this um cam footage basically of uh peter parker Getting recruited, going over to do the fight in Civil War, all that stuff. So it should be pretty fun. It should be pretty fun, um, a pretty fun movie. Hopefully, it's good, and hopefully, it leads to better and more fun movies in the Marvel Universe. Did and you
1: hear now that they backpedaled again regarding the relationship of Venom yeah, and Spider Man yeah. and all that shit in the larger? At this point, I don't care. Yeah, they've this, they've totally lost whatever interest I had. Yeah, in
0: it me. doesn't matter anymore. You just let it happen. You're like, all right, whatever. If they're part of it, they're part of it. If they're not, they're not. They'll retcon it somehow, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah. One last
1: thing on this part real quick that I you know, – we'll touch on probably more detail uh, some other time. But I just saw this today. I thought it was worth sharing. So Missouri decided to – the Missouri GOP decided to pass a law that says that a city cannot raise the minimum wage over the state limit. So St. Louis had raised their minimum wage to $10. The state limit is $770. So that is going to effectively lower the minimum wage back down to $770 for people who are already getting paid $10. Now, obviously, employers will have the choice whether they want to, you know, pursue that or not. But you'd imagine that in this world where you have a lot of people A lot of companies that are trying to cut costs and trying to save money, that there may be one or two assholes that will take them up on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, we're both mid-level management types in our respective companies that we work for. The less you pay, the less talent you're going to get, the less you're going to produce. So, in the long run, my opinion is that that's going to cost you more. Yep. Uh, You know, I don't know. Obviously, there's different schools of economic thought on that. But... You know That's that's what Missouri did today. It's going to hurt a lot of people. It's going to hurt a lot of families. And then those same people, when they're out trying to get government help, are going to be told, you're just being lazy. You're just trying to abuse the system because you're trying to feed your kids because they're paying you $7.70 an hour instead of $10
0: an hour. So good job, Missouri. Good job. It's a pretty failed system. What's going to happen is you'll see the private sector step up. I don't know how many. I'd like to see the numbers on how many companies will actually move. To this to the lower minimum wage because what you're gonna what you'll what i what i believe you'll see there is a exodus of individuals from those type of companies they're gonna leave they're just gonna say no i'm not working for this i'm not gonna stick around and i'm not gonna let you take me from ten dollars to seven dollars it's not fair i'm gonna go find another company that pays me ten dollars an hour and i'm gonna go work for them it's a very really comp it's a really complicated situation i mean as it is wages and wages in this country are terrible and i mean wages in this city are terrible also they, uh, I thought, what was the number that I saw? I saw uh, a, a disproportionate amount of people who live in pop- poverty, spend more than 50% of their income on rent. That's an incredible amount of income to be spent on just rent alone. Yeah, dude. What you're saying is that these people, regardless of whatever el- else they may have, they have to spend 50% of what they make every paycheck on just keeping roof. a roof over their head. Yep. That doesn't include water, I mean, well, water, power, Internet, which you definitely need. Some people say that you can or cannot have it, but I'm telling you, you need it now. Um, food, all of those things. Uh, healthcare, like these clothing, are, clothing,
1: school costs, yeah, school supplies. It's it's an endless list of stuff. You know, we've discovered that more as we've gotten older and had kids. I remember the first time I moved out of my house, and I moved, you know, Plex and I moved into the house together, and I went to go take a shower that first night, and I didn't have shower curtains, and it never dawned on me. Hey asshole, you need shower curtains because your mom's not here to fucking buy shower curtains for you anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many expenses that you don't even think about, and then all of a sudden you're telling somebody that you're cutting thirty-three percent of their income. For what reason? Mm-hmm. Well,
0: it just it just goes to show you that there is a huge income inequality gap. Like, there's just it's it's crazy, and you know, sometimes it leads individuals like yourself and I, who people who have grown up in households that weren't making a lot of money. But now it leads us to be a little guilty because we see this and we're like, yeah, man, it sucks. Like we get it, and then we're managers, so then we see our employees who get paid less than we do, and it sucks for them because we know down in our heart of hearts that they're getting, they're paying, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, man. you know, and it's really difficult. There's not much you can do. Yeah, you can throw the oh, there's social services all day at somebody. But the fact of the matter is that those social services are not very easy to get a hold of. When they are, there's a lot of red tape. There are a lot of hoops to jump. And by the time you're done jumping through those hoops, you're just so damn tired. And then you've got to sign up for them again. And then you've got to jump through all the same hoops. It's, there needs to be a more simplified way to do it. I don't know if you and I are the ones to think about it. But, you know, they're just ha- it, it something needs to change. There needs there needs to be some type of catalyst. I don't know what it is. is. Don't I don't yeah. even want to speculate. But... Something. Full blown apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, be essentially. My personal preference, but that's just me. Essentially something something like that needs to happen. Man, we got dark and serious real quick. We did, we did. So children's so that we can so that you can avoid having to worry
1: about getting paid seven seventy. One of the things that you might want to do is listen to our educational segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So We're gonna, gonna be- take you out of school. Yeah. and sign you up for an AP class, and we're going to get into uh, education and technology and how that how that ties in together these days.
0: Exactly. So this came from an idea. Well, I was actually having a conversation with my 8-year-old, and he was sitting there, and I asked him a question about history. I can't even recall the question right now. And it was something he, he learned during the school year. His school He's there in summer right now. And instead of recalling it from his memory, he turned and asked our Google Home the answer. And it came to me like, what happens now and where is the cutoff for kids in technology? Because at some point, every kid needs a foundation. That's, that, that, is a, that is a bona fide fact. Every kid needs a foundation, whether it be in arithmetic, whether it be in, in history, whether it be in literature, every kid needs a foundation. But where does that foundation end? And I think where that foundation ends and where we can start inserting technology is where we will help our kids excel in the future because the right. world has changed. The world is completely changed. It is a technology driven world. There are, um, there's no industry that doesn't need computers anymore. You need to let these kids use the technology and become more comfortable with the technology. I think this past election shows us that we also need to really work on critical thinking with children. You know what I mean? So that's where this comes. So where's the, the end point? So in arithmetic, is it geometry? Is it algebra? Is it after that? Are we? Is it okay to give a kid a TI-83 or, or, or a freaking iPad now and let them figure out hardcore, in-depth equations using these type of things? And th- those are the questions that I'm asking myself because at some point, at some point, my son is going to get asked a question, and he's going to look at the teacher like she's crazy because he can just go look on Google. Sure. Because I'm telling you right now, if you ask me history questions that I may have learned in high school and middle school. I'm not going to remember them. I'm just going to go back to Google. And I guarantee you that the teachers teaching our kids do the same thing at times. The only time they might memorize it is because they've taught it so many times, right? right. So why is it fair for them? So I I think though there's a difference on
1: trying to recite historical facts and learning concepts. Okay. So I think math and history are kind of two bad comparisons. All right. So I was talking to the wife about that and her point was what happens if the technology suddenly fails or is unavailable? Like so your your kid is in school and he's gotta take a test and we're saying he should be able to use his iPad. Yeah. Right. iPad ran out of battery and he forgot his charger. Okay, so the Apollo thirteen. So right. So now he he has nothing to fall back on. You know, it kinda takes me back to that whole parable about give a guy a fish, he'll eat, teach a guy
0: to fish, he'll eat. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, better. But we don't need it anymore because Amazon Prime will just give it to you in an hour. Correct. You can just order the fish from Amazon. Prime. And look, I'm not saying that that any opinion that I might share is correct or not. I don't. I actually don't know what the right answer is. But what I'm saying, because I also believe that if you if you start to give up some of your, um, thinking power to the computers and to the Googles or Bing or who the fuck uses Bing, but whatever, <laughs> um then you start to create sheeple, right? And I think a part of that is what happened in the election. You had these sheeple who believe anything that somebody posts, posts, right? On Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And they're like, "Oh yeah, this there was a the pizza gate where they were running a children's sex ring out of a pizza shop." Like Right, but but that's that's kind of my point. So
1: you're you're having a situation where if you don't teach the children how to critically think like you said earlier and how to separate So Let's say, like, we talk, I kind of give you this example. We were talking about this before. If I get a busted pipe in my house, a plumber would know, even if he had to Google it, he'd know more specifically what to look for than if I, well, I got a busted pipe. Now what? You know, like, I, I'd have to start from a much lower foundation than what he's going to do. You know, he, we might still both Google it or YouTube it or whatever, but he's going to know the language, the terminology, that I'm not gonna know. So they say, yeah, you need a SAML flange. I'm gonna be like, what the fuck is a SAML flange? And I'm I'm gonna start from a much lower base. So technology without context is irrelevant. Knowledge without context is irrelevant.
0: But are we teaching kids that in class? Because I don't think we are.
1: No, I, I think right now the only thing we're doing is getting kids to be able to pass these tests so that schools can continue to get funded because our educations become privatized, even public educations become privatized. And we're failing, you know, uh, further generations of kids. One interesting thing that one of my buddies, he and I were talking about at work once was our current generation and younger, like millennials, they haven't invented anything. They have come up with ways to innovate existing things like there's taxi cabs. Well, now we got Uber. There's hotels and we got Airbnb. They found a ways to make it more efficient and, and revitalize certain industries, but no one's creating the internet. No one's creating anything new. So is that also a result because we're just not challenging the kids enough so that they feel like they can innovate and we're just trying to get them just to get through the motions and, and kind of go through the day? Well,
0: there was a study done about productivity. So <clears throat> productivity has dropped in the United States. And what I mean by that is that there have been inventions. Yeah, there have been inventions, but these inventions that they've created haven't really been towards workplace. So what, what the, the story that I was that I was reading and listening to was that some of the inventions include the AC. The, when the AC was invented, it helped people at the workplace because they were able to sit in buildings longer, they were able to be more productive, they were able to stay in a climate that was more conducive for them to work. The internet, another thing that invented that it infected the workplace. A lot of these new apps that are being created don't really help out a workplace. You see some of them try to drive themselves into the workplace, but their main goal and their, their initial function was just to become more personal. It's all a personal thing. It's all for yourself in your house, outside of work. Um, some of these apps, like for example, Slack. I don't know if anybody's ever used Slack. I mean, those are led as Productive apps, and yeah, they might become better productive apps if they're you know picked up by mainstream businesses. Because right now, uh, Slack isn't really in a lot of these businesses. Slack is just more in these um, tech companies and these millennial-esque corporations. So, if you can get Slack to be picked up in where I guess I guess you want to call them the Gen Xers pick up Slack and start using it, or the baby boomers start using Slack, then yeah, maybe you can count that as a, no, as, as a productivity win. But until then, a lot of these things that they've created aren't really for business productivity. They're for just personal productivity. Tinder, yeah, I'm gonna personally produce more people to sleep with, right? Uber, like they're not really creating a business. They have a business model, right? right? It, but what they've done is, if you wanna sit there and tell me that the person who drives a car is running a business or is in their own business, no, they're not. They're just occupying more of their personal time. Yeah, right? absolutely. That you you cannot be said to
1: be your own business if your profits are still going to a larger entity. That's not being your own boss. Yep. You might make your own hours as an Uber driver, but you're not your own boss. It's not your company, exactly. it's not your profits, you're not a shareholder. Nope. You are a grunt in a larger workforce really then. I can't I don't know if any other company has a workforce as large as Uber does right. at this point. Yeah How many much. Uber drivers
0: are there? There, there are tons? Maybe, maybe the only they might be rivaled by Lyft, who knows? Yeah, Do you know what I mean? But the whole thing was, and where this subject came from, was, where does technology fit? Because I believe that there needs to be a different class. There needs to be something that you teach these kids today about using technology correctly and using it productivity. Produ- about using technology productively, right? So that's asking the right questions knowing where to search, creating and forming your own opinions, using other people's opinions and differing opinions. So one of the things, a little backstory: Ray and I were in a legal studies class together in high school. One of the backstories was always that you had to play devil's advocate when you were doing this. You had to see it from the other side, from the other perspective, which is why not only will I listen to CNN, not only will I listen to MSNBC, not only will I, I hear uh, NPR podcasts, but I'll also pick up Fox. I'll also sometimes peruse Breitbart. Although I can't do that. Like I've said, it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's a cesspool of hate and bigotry and just garbage. But the whole thing is, is figuring out where to send your kids so that they can make an an informed opinion. And I feel like, like you said, schools have become so entrenched on making, making sure kids pass these tests because it reflects on the teacher that you're not really doing anything for the kid. Teachers want to say that they work for their kids. They don't. They work their kids so that they can pass a test, so that yeah. they can keep their job. And I'm not knocking teachers for that. That's not a knock. No, on it's teachers. not.
1: It's not the teachers' fault. Because it's, that's look, a
0: systemic issue. You and I have to hit productivity standards, and if we don't hit those standards, we're gonna get we're fired. held accountable for it. Exactly. Right. We're held accountable for it. It's so a systemic it's a issue.
1: Thing. It's the the question is, what is our goal? If our goal is to create uh, future leaders and entrepreneurs and geniuses and you know people who are going to change the course of of human history, that's one thing. Right now, our goal is to create a workforce for the top 1% to exploit. That's what the goal is, because that top 1% are the ones making the rules because of one stupid Supreme Court decision that allowed them to be able to do all this campaign donating. I think a lot of what we're experiencing now comes from that Citizens United decision and empowering corporations to influence our elections in that way. And that's where we're at now. That's why you are able to have a president who can make a gif of him beating up CNN. And people will defend that because he's a puppet just the way everybody else is for these people who are, you know, multi-billionaires. And their goal is not to let our children be intelligent and educated and understand context. Their goal is to have our children work for their children. That's that's how that works. That's my take on it. I think that you're right. There has to be some kind of legislation or something passed that says this is the type of mm-hmm. classes that we're gonna steer the and, children and into. And who knows?
0: Maybe it's maybe it's the parents' job to do. Right? Like. I'm not one of those parents who sits down and says the teacher's all wrong for everything, right? Like when, my, when, when the teacher calls and tells me my kid got in trouble for saying something dumb or doing something dumb, my first reaction is it, is, isn't to the teacher, what did you do wrong? My first reaction is, I'm going to beat this kid's ass. Right. Like, and then we're going to figure it out from there, you know? But maybe it is the parent's job. And then what does oh, that absolutely. lead to? Absolutely.
1: We, we have to be able to provide some of that context. But at the end of the day, they spend the bulk of their day at school, many times in after school care if, the, if there's not a parent who is able to pick yep, them up at absolutely home. Right. So at home, there are two or three hours, they have dinner, they finish up any homework, and then they go to sleep because then you can't keep them awake all night because they need the rest or whatever. So you're, you're entering into a social contract where you're counting on the schools and the teachers to educate your children. Is that where we and went wrong? I don't know. I think it worked out pretty well for us. I mean, I, I, at least in elementary school. High school might be a different story. But I, I have nothing but good things to say about every single elementary school teacher I had. They went out of their way to inform our lives and create a foundation that enabled us to have conversations like this. Um, Whereas I, I don't see that in elementary schools
0: right now. No, I think you're, no. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, that, and I have elementary school friends who teach, you know? And they have the best intentions. And I think sometimes what happens is, and it's just like you and I at our jobs, right? We have the best, best intentions. You do what you do and you don't wanna do a bad job. Yeah. I don't think people wanna very, do a bad very job. Very rarely do yeah, you have that. Exactly. And what happens is you get beat down by the outside. So you get beat down by either your administration for the teachers and these parents, some parents who might come at you, you know? Because look, let's be honest. Some of these parents suck, man. Oh, like,
1: people in general suck in any walk of life. I can't man. imagine. I mean, I've worked in a lot of different industries. And food service, customers suck. Retail, customers suck. Banking, customers suck. I can only imagine what it's like when it's your kid. And you get a you get a report that goes home and says your kid's failing this or your kid had a bad attitude or whatever. Some people take that input, like you said, and they decide how to best manage their kid but some people can't face that truth and they go and take a shit on the teacher and it's absurd like this person you can barely do the job and you've got one or two or three this lady's got 30 people 30 of these little maniacs running around all day i can only imagine every year at the end of the year i go to my second kid's teacher and i tell that person thank you and and in the <laughs> beginning of the year, when I get to their new teacher, I tell them, in advance, I'm sorry. I love her, but she's a handful. So I can only imagine 30, 25 of those yeah, of her. It's,
0: it's insane. It, it, it is insane. Look, and look, by no means are are you and I um, ballsy enough to think that we can fix any of these problems. But we like to bring them to light. We like to discuss. Because, look, to be honest, we are just laymen. We are... We're, we're people. We're just here in the city doing what we got to do. But these are our opinions. These are our thoughts about what's going on. And if you guys have similar opinions or, honestly, if you have differing opinions, yeah, love we want to hear, hear them. from them. Absolutely. So,
1: we'll address them. If you guys write in, uh, if you guys let us know anything that you want us to kind of expand on it. We'll talk about it and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, let you know, we'll let you know who wrote
0: in and what you said and exactly. we'll answer you. And, we're, and if we're able to create a dialogue where we create some kind of change, I mean, that would be great. That would be, that would be the end of this right. podcast. Right. That's
1: the goal, right? Besides getting to Stag Guy like Greg, like I said last week,
0: <laughs> that's the goal. The goal is
1: you know, to be big enough to have a voice and represent not only our own thoughts, but represent the thoughts of the people who are like-minded or not because I am open to having my mind changed about certain things. I know I don't know everything. Um, He knows he doesn't know everything. But we know enough about enough to be able to have a podcast.
0: Exactly. So that's, I guess, our education segment. That's our AP class. Um, I think we've done enough for you guys right now. You guys have sat through that. Uh, Now it's time to have a little fun. And now it's time to have a little fun. We are going to discuss what may be the most influential wrestling match of all time. Last Friday was the 20-year anniversary of the Hell in a Cell Where Undertaker and mankind climbed that steel cage of death and decided to battle each other. And we're here to talk about how that has impacted the rest of wrestling, how it's kind of stepped the game up for everybody else, and how it still reverberates now, 20 years later. So, Black, what are your thoughts on the first time you saw Hell in the Cell?
1: All right, so quick little history lesson for you guys. Hell in Cell uh, happened um 98 like he said. Uh, last week was the anniversary. Uh, Mankind was a kind of journeyman wrestler. Uh, real name is Mick Foley. He'd been in several companies, uh, made enough of a name for himself to get a call from WWE, and they kind of shot him into a, a, a feud with The Undertaker, who was the flagship cornerstone character for... For Vince McMahon at the time. Some of their bigger names had jumped ship. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and then they had him in this match. It was, it was the second ever Hell in the Cell match. Taker had a previous Hell in the Cell match. The first one ever with guess who? Shawn Michaels. But that's besides the point. So the two things that the two bumps have talking about. And bump for the layman is just spots where the, a particular person took a, a rather nasty fall. Or a rather nasty hit. Uh, they start off the match on the top of the cell because it was an enclosed cage. And Undertaker promptly throws Mankind off the top of the cage and through an announce table on the floor. Uh, he was down for several minutes. EMTs came out. Jim Ross swore he was dead. Yeah. The, the, Jim Ross's call in during that match was one of the most memorable things you've ever By heard. My God, he's one. dead! Absolutely. Um, he started getting wheeled to the back. He decided to continue the match. He got up off the stretcher uh, and went back up the cell. So up until now, this was planned. They scripted this. They scripted that fall off the cell. Mm-hmm. They obviously hadn't rehearsed it because you can't take that bump more than once. But they kind of had measured it out to have a pretty good idea how he was going to land. He's very fortunate he landed that correctly. Yes. He climbs back up the cell. They fight some more up there, and then Undertaker choke slams him through, through the fucking the top ring. Of the cell. Yeah. This was not planned. Uh, he actually took the chokeslam incorrectly and he has said repeatedly that had he taken the choke slam correctly He would have died because he would have gone too far back and landed on his head To add insult to injury the chair that was up there because they've been fighting with a steel chair Followed him through the ring and hit him in the mouth knocking one of his teeth out through
0: his nose It had
1: gone through his nasal cavity and in his nostril. so there's a great shot of him sitting in a corner when he's recovered Bleeding, his, te- his tooth is in his nose, and he's trying to stick his tongue through the hole in his mouth. And everybody thinks like he's smiling. And Jim Ross is like, Oh my God, he loves it. He loves the pain. And Mick Foley later said, No, I just, I was trying to feel this hole in my mouth. Um, this cost countless of years off Mick Foley's career. Yes. Um, but in the larger context, I do have a couple of things about that. So this happened dead in the middle of the Monday Night Wars. Monday Night Wars, for those of you who don't know, there were two rival companies, WWF, then now WWE, and WCW. And they both had shows on Monday night. Monday Night Raw at that time was live to tape. So they'd have one live episode on one Monday, and the following Monday would be a taped episode. Um, Monday Nitro was live every Monday. So for 99 weeks, Monday Nitro took the lead starting on May 20th, 1996. To April 6, 1998. There were seven weeks where either one show or the other was exempted, so it didn't really count in the head to head. And Raw had one win during that stretch. So that's, you know, well over a year, almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened again, this match happened in, in June 98. And the last time Monday Nitro had a win in the head to head was October 26, 98. And they had to have four main event title matches uh, in that stretch.
0: And mind you, that stretch included Goldberg yeah. at one point.
1: It had Goldberg, it, it, you know, and the Monday Night Raw match on that night was awful. Another side note I wanted to bring out, the Hell in the Cell match wasn't even the main event on that card. Nope. There was still a main event to follow. It, no one remembers it because it doesn't matter. That match changed the game. Not only did it lead directly to like, the death blow, because the Monday Night War wasn't won or lost in one shot. So, it happened in June. The last time Nitro won was in October. And then in January, you had an interesting situation where it was one of those weeks where Raw was taped. And the guy who was running WCW decided that he'd be funny. And he gave out the results of that night's Raw. Raw. So, he had the announcer read a statement saying that this same mankind was about to win his first ever WWE championship. And the commentator said, huh. Well, that'll get some butts in seats. And believe it or not, 600,000 people turned the channel to watch him win, win, even though they knew it was going to happen, and they knew that it was taped, and that was the death blow. After that, the ratings of Nitro started to plummet. Um, They never won again. They had maybe two ties, I believe, I saw. Uh, And then on February 8th, 1999, they had a 5.7 rating, which was the last time they got anywhere near that high. So those are the numbers and some of the facts. Here's where the opinion comes in. You have an entire generation of wrestlers now, particularly not only in WWE but in independent companies, that their matches are all based on high spots. You have cruiserweight divisions. You have hardcore matches. Mm-hmm. You know, New Japan, Ring of Honor. You have all of these things. Right now, the one of the most popular pay-per-views in WWE is the Money in the Bank match. All of those things were godfathered by this match. You had two top flight stars. Mm-hmm. You had one of them take two incredible risk life-threatening bumps. bumps. Yep. And it made everybody sit up and take notice.
0: Yeah. We've waited it before when we were talking about... Like, this would have been like Steph Curry and LeBron James in the offseason joining the big three. Ice Cube's big three. Yeah. Or it's even a- worse, in the season, just leaving and saying, we're going to join this league. Exactly. So, what happens is you have these two notable guys saying, hey, listen these kind of bumps, this kind of hardcore-esque, because by no means was this a hardcore match, but this was hardcore-esque. And look, we're gonna say some stuff about ECW here, and we are not gonna negate what ECW did beforehand, but, I will be. I will fight you tooth and nail if you don't tell me that this match didn't help ECW's ratings in the long term.
1: Oh, absolutely, and it, it brought that style of wrestling to a mainstream audience. I hadn't really seen it before. It made people like you, people like me, check out ECW. Yeah, where we weren't invested in it before. No, so we didn't know the characters. We didn't care. Yeah,
0: that's the first time I, w- I flipped on Sun Sports and I started watching. I started watching Rob Van Dam and Sabu and Taz and the franchise, and it was an amazing, amazing. And New Jack. Je- Bro, New Jack. Jack. New Jack. That dude would take some bumps. He would jump off the top of scaffoldings, through chairs...
1: Through eat. stack tables on fire. Yeah. Like, right now, if you see a picture of him, his forehead looks like
0: mush. His forehead it's, looks like Seal's face. Yeah,
1: it's... <laughs> it's not even skin anymore. It's just this...
0: Cauliflower.
1: Yeah, it's... I don't even know. It's awful. But we didn't know. I had no idea who that guy was. And then... You see this match, and you see Mankind, the guy who's probably getting paid, you know, 300000 $400,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at that time, those guys weren't even getting paid millions of dollars. Nope. And he goes through this table, and then he goes through that cell that cell top, and then he finishes the match.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, this isn't like, oh, he took these two bums, match matches over, whatever. He finished the match. He took a tombstone. He took a chair shot. And... He showed you that the, the dedication these guys have to their craft, fake or not, meant something. And when he won that title for the first time, that's why people watched. People, 600,000 people flipped over because mankind fell through that cell and fell off
0: that cell. Had he never done that, those people don't turn that channel. He, Be- gave, he gave wrestling a sense of transparency. So for a long time, the taboo thing in wrestling was to say that it was fake, right? Look, nobody wants to hear that wrestling's fake. We all know that it's, it's planned out, that it's a story, right? But what that match did, and it did more than any other match I feel that I've ever watched as a kid, was that validated, goddamn that word, that validated the athleticism and the things that they could do. So, yeah, you had mankind take these crazy bumps. And then from there on, people were like, wow, this guy is willing to do this for this craft, even though we all know that it's scripted, that they all know how it's gonna end. You know what? We're going to give him our support. And that's where this transparency comes in. They saw it. They knew it. And he was original about it. And he was genuine. And that's what happened. He was able and he, to... And he damn near genuinely died. I mean, yeah. now... If
1: you see that dude walk now... He has a discernible limp. He's got tons of back problems. Mm-hmm. He also has some head problems... Because he has this weird Santa Claus fetish. I don't know if that's caused from that or not. But, you know... We'll say... We can say that it is whatever. Exactly. And, it, you know... It, it just... It revitalized, you know, the genre of entertainment. It, it made us look at it, like he said, in a way where it didn't matter that it's fake or not because you saw the risk that these people take. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to take that. And from there, it spawned so many memorable moments. I mean, Jeff Hardy. so You,
0: you would was, have never had the Hardy bumps.
1: So there's a great story about how Mick Foley, Mankind, was in attendance when Jimmy Snooker first jumped off a regular cage onto mm-hmm. Bruno San Martino at the Garden. And that was a huge influence in his life. Well, Mick Foley was that guy. That moment was that moment for the Hardys, Edge and Christian, countless other people, because it showed them another path. You didn't have to be Hogan. You didn't have to be Sean. You didn't have to be Brett. You didn't have to be the NWO. You could to be get rough. attention. You could be rough. Yeah, you could be a fat, unathletic. Weird Shit. bearded guy. Look at the Hardy. Uh, look, look at the
0: the, the the Dudley boys.
1: Yeah, dude, and they and they were part of those crazy TLC matches. None of which would have happened with the moments and, and spots that those mo- that those matches had without this match. It is the exactly. single most significant match in wrestling history. It overtook Hogan Andre from WrestleMania three. Totally. Which up to that point was without question the defining moment in wrestling when Hogan slammed Andre. That was it. Yeah. And this, oh, in my opinion, it overtook it because this dude almost fucking died twice
0: mm-hmm. in one match. Yep. It was the craziest thing you could ever see. And what happened is it, it, without, shit, I was distracted. without this match, you don't get uh, WWE's, uh, I guess, appetite to buy ECW... You also don't get their appetite to go after ECW talent like the Dudleys, like Rob, oh, man, like Sabu, like Taz, any of them. Yep. You know? Or Al Snow also. I've always I always had a special spot in my heart for Al Snow, that hey, fucking man. jobber. Head. Head, what does everybody want? Head. So you don't get any of that. And you know what? I think that's that's really what pushed the WWE to be more attitude y. To kind of say, hey, listen, you know, it doesn't have to be this campy. Oh, good guy versus bad guy all the time. There could be a very weird mixture. Because for a long time there, Mankind was really loved. But he was a weird character. And by no means was he your prototypical hero. He was this weird guy. Kind of this frumpy dude who everyone just wanted. He was an everyman's man. And mind you, he came up and was still everyman's man during the time of Austin. When Austin was the man-man. Yeah. You know?
1: Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably the biggest draw in wrestling history He he, definitely deserves a lot of credit for putting you know a a lot of those nails in that WCW coffin.
0: I think I think Stone Cold gets a lot of credit for bringing realism to wrestling. I think I think this match goes goes back and gives a lot of credibility because of the death because I mean because of the um, the impending death all of that. These guys are able to show you that any man can do this. That's when you started seeing. You know the Jean Shorts era. That's when you started seeing you started seeing way less characters. Although The Godfather and Val Venus were always amazing. Yeah. You know, and you started seeing guys who just had nicknames. You start like your buddies down at the down at the yard. Chocolate. Uh, who was it? Big Chocolate. Big Sexy. What the fuck was it? Sexual Chocolate. Sexual Mark Chocolate. Henry. Mark Henry. <laughs> right. Um, of course, then McMahon went and went crazy and created his own. Um, what was it? The corporate, the corporate ministry. The corporate ministry. Yeah. That was a little weird. And it then was, they, like, crucified. <laughs> they
1: crucified... They crucified his daughter. Yeah. Um, that was a little weird. Um, listen. Uh, Zionist to era wasn't perfect by any means. We all remember it very nostalgically uh, because it happened right when we were pubescent and full of testosterone.
0: That and Terry Funk, Cactus Jack, and the uh, New Age Blue Age dumpster Outlaws dumpster match. dumpster match was crazy awesome. Yeah, dude. So... A lot
1: of awesome things happened in that era. Still, this this is it. This is the pinnacle of everything that happened in wrestling, everything that mattered in wrestling. Because it took us those of us who were marginalized because we're wrestling fans and all wrestling's fake and you're this and that. And it was very easy to point to those moments and say, can you fake that asshole? I don't give a shit how well you're taught to land. You can't fake that. And that actually, Jim Ross actually said that I think during that during that call. Yeah. He was like, "Are you gonna tell me that that's how you you're supposed to land a certain way or some shit like that?" He he murdered it with that call. That match wasn't very long. There were more dead spaces in that match while they were checking on McFoley's health <laughs> than there was actual match. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter that the work rate wasn't great or that people weren't pulling off, you know, crazy aerial maneuvers. He risked his life to put on a show and we appreciated it and 20 years later we appreciate it still. I, I randomly will go back and hit the network and I'll watch it just because it was so fucking
0: yeah. nuts. It showed you that WWE was willing to take these risks. These crazy risks with with characters, with stunts, with things that they could do. With main you know? guys. And yeah,
1: WCW wasn't doing that. You didn't see Kevin Nash or Hall or Hogan or Macho or Dallas or any of these guys that were big names in WCW at the time, Goldberg, Goldberg wasn't taking a bump like that. Goldberg wasn't taking a bump a tenth that bad. He, the worst bump I ever saw him take was when he got tasered by Scott Hall in one of the worst pieces of match scripting ever. But that's besides the point.
0: That's where Anthony Bischoff, right? Uh, no, Eric. Eric Bischoff. Yeah, Eric
1: Bischoff and Vince Russo. Because Vince Russo was a head writer for oh, WWE. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he left. He, left. he went over there.
0: So what we're saying is, is that this match was the pinnacle and the catalyst for so much that we have today. Yeah. I believe that this match was really the death of the old WWF and the birth of the new WWE.
1: Yeah, the attitude era had been ushered in before that, but it definitely um, kind of just really cemented that. It it led to many of the events that, that eventually won WWE, the Monday Night War, where they were able to purchase WCW in 2001 because yeah. the ratings had fallen so bad. I mean, you guys gotta know, we're talking about they got a 5.7 on February 8, 99. They were down in the twos
0: like two months later. Like they never recovered. And yeah, because the WCW wanted to keep being that old school ra- wrestling. Yep. They wanted to be wrestling. They didn't want to be wrestling. They didn't want to be real. They didn't want to, they didn't want to inject athleticism into what they were doing. They didn't want to inject new moves. They, they just wanted to be wrestling. These over-the-top guys. You know, oh, we've got the characters. We, yeah, sure, you might have the characters, but that's not what people wanted to see yeah. anymore. And, because and Vince gave them blood.
1: And they had bad business practices. They gave a lot of the talent way too many creative freedoms. So they were able to kind of decide what they wanted to do and what matches and what they didn't want to do. And you had situations where guys were changing the ends of their matches on live television. No one would ever do something like that to Vince McMahon. No. On, on the contrary, they were willing to risk their lives to impress that dude. Yep. That dude's the boss. The one fucking thing I can never forgive him for is being friends with Trump. But that's besides the point. Other than that, dude, Vince McMahon, you're the best. And Mankind Undertaker, you will forever, forever live in infamy and in, in honor and glory for that match. And specifically, McFoley, for taking those two fucked up ass bumps.
0: That was the best. His, in the beginning of his book it was crazy. My ear, my fucking ear. That's yeah, where yeah, no, he not. lost his ear. So no. look.
1: He lost his ear in a death match in Japan He yeah. tried to do that spot on the
0: rope and Yeah, but that's, that's the beginning of his oh, book that's Is he that, no, is that sure. thing right there Where he talks about how he lost his ear yeah. And that just shows you how much that guy was willing to give to, yeah, no, to, that dude, to wrestling
1: That dude was about it, man He was about it and, and props to that guy for even being able to walk Limp or no uh, at this time And incidentally, he has a really hot daughter
0: Man, I was just gonna say that Dude, she is
1: bad, dude She's goofy as fuck, but she is Hot dude, she's prettier than Ric Flair's daughter, yes. Oh, by a million miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlotte Flair is a terrific wrestler, but Noah Foley in the looks department's got her beat hands down. Yeah, oh, it's not even close.
0: We shouldn't subjugate women like that, we should not. We have daughters, we do, but she's hot, okay. So, listen, here's the here, how, how this is gonna work. You've got our email address, it's Back of the bus miami at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. We're gonna be uploading this bad boy to SoundCloud probably in the next 24 hours. You guys can check us out there. We're gonna hit a we're gonna get a YouTube page going. We've got our Instagram page going.
1: It'll be on iTunes eventually. We're just waiting on a couple of things yes. to finalize
0: so that we can do that. Exactly. In the meantime, look for our podcasts right now. We're gonna to try to do them uh, every other week. There is going to be a uh, getting too much into our personal lives. There's going to be a bit of gap because we're going on vacations and stuff like that. I know what you're thinking. We just started a podcast. How can we go on vacations? We well, have wives and shit. We so. have wives, and the podcast doesn't pay yet. Again, sponsoring opportunities. You give us some money. We buy beer, and we'll give you shout outs. Um, uh, don't make us create a GoFundMe for this.
1: No. Okay. Maybe a Patreon at some point.
0: Okay. There we go. So just check us out. Stay posted. Your friends and family, thank you for listening because you're the ones driving the, the numbers up. Share it with people and um, give us that feedback, man.
1: Hopefully, yeah. you guys like the format of the show a little better. Hopefully, we stuck to the topics a little better this time. But we definitely welcome that feedback and those suggestions. And we'll hit you up next time with some, some fresh shit. It's that Guy Greg, we're coming for you. I got you.